0: Welcome to Circle Forum: Conversations and Stories about Restorative Practices in Schools. Today we talk about how a restorative response differs from a punitive or judging response to misbehavior. We also discuss how teachers can be supported with a terrific idea. You've got to hear this for teacher drop-in meeting that's done virtually. Our website is circleforum.ca, or follow us on Instagram at circleforum. And here are your hosts: Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan. So good day and welcome to our podcast how are you doing today
1: i'm doing very well thank you
2: i'm doing great stan thanks for asking good and uh steve you have a story for us yeah week. yeah i do and it's about timing and uh, timing or time and it's about how and when we solve conflicts and the story i, I go back to this and it's a very simple story and i bet it's happened to a lot of teachers and principals and it's out one day out in the yard when i was doing yard duty and there was a situation with a student who was having a conflict with his peers, and the, there was another teacher there, and the teacher had said to that student, you go and talk to Mr. Young, the principal, he's over there. And the student ran away. He just ran to the other far, far side of the yard. And there's a bunch of kids standing around me and the other teacher, and the, the kids start saying, oh, he's getting away, he's getting away, he's running away, he's getting away with what he did. And this concept that he was getting away with this what he'd done wrong. And some even volunteered to go get them. We'll chase them for you, Mr. Young. We'll get them. We'll bring them back. And I had this vision of kids dragging another kid across the yard. I thought, well, that's not the conflict I want to solve either. No. So I said, no, you know, it's okay, guys. You don't need to go get them. I know I, I can deal with them in my own time. And so I just basically left it. And um, he he was on the other side of the yard kind of watching me, I suppose. But I wasn't going near him. And I just continued on my way, did the rest of yard duty. But when the bell rang and of course, we're all going back into the school, I knew which class he was in, I knew who his teacher was. And I just went to that classroom and I waited. And eventually the class all came in and he came in too and saw me standing there and realized that, you know, the time had come for him to have a conversation with me. He didn't run away then. So then we just walked down to my office and we had a conversation and we dealt with whatever the crisis was that happened on the yard. And so I reflect on that because quite often As a principal, but even as a teacher and and as parents at home, people judge you on how fast you deal with things. There's this perception that if we don't deal with it, the incident happens. We're not being authoritative enough or we're not being attentive enough or we're not being a good parent or a good teacher. We're letting kids get away with stuff. And we hear that quite often. A kid will say, you know, a, a snappy comeback or a sassy comment and you won't say anything. And somebody says, you know, you're just letting them get away with that kind of stuff. Well, maybe not. I'm going to deal with it later on my time. And so I've often thought about that timing issue and when we deal with things. And to be restorative, timing is important in a restorative situation so that we're not reacting out of emotion. We're reacting out of some, some conscious thinking. So that's that's the story that came to me anyway.
1: I know for me that cat and mouse game that you were starting to describe there if there's one thing that used to get my adrenaline going was finding myself in that. Um, and then that is not where I need to be when I'm going to be needing to work with a student, have a conversation with them. I don't need to be aggravated by what's going on. So that's exactly the timing piece you're talking about is I need to enter into this in a calm state of mind and uh, not agitated with the the person I'm about to try and resolve something with.
0: Yeah, because isn't it true that so much of my emotional state then gets transferred onto this other individual? And I'm not at my best when I'm in crisis mode or, you know, what have you. Now, I mean, the context is that in society, it's got to be done right away. Like, we've got to address this. Like you said, Steve, your competence is measured by how quickly you can solve the problem. Not necessarily how well you can solve it, but how quickly. So I send you a text if I don't get a text back within five minutes, like, do you hate me now? Like, what wh- What happened to you? You know, so there's there's kind of a, a cultural context of instant as
2: yeah. well. And I think that that's probably what led to that authoritarian um, piece that for many years was prevalent in most schools and principals and teachers. They would make a quick decision on something. You know, that's a detention. I'll see you after school without ever asking a student, you know, what happened or what was going on, or did you even do anything wrong? It was that instant thing. And, you know, people would perceive that person Wow, they they make quick decisions. They got a firm grip on what's going on around here. They're, you know, strict disciplinarian. And in actual fact, all they're doing is probably developing a whole lot of, of anger amongst the people, the students, because they make these quick decisions. So the other adults think they're great, but the kids they're working with, not so much. And they're kind of looking at this guy. Geez, he never even asked me if I did anything wrong. So I think that's where we, for years, we always measured a good principle by how quick they made decisions and how quick they made, you know, they doled out those punishments to make sure kids were towing the line. And uh, like I say, the other adults in the world, parents, and they all, this is great. What a great principle. But it's the kids. And what are they thinking?
1: But at the same time, are we measuring change in behavior? Not usually. Yes, you have this quick response, but if anybody wanted to kind of watch that for a while they're probably not seeing a change in behavior Mm
0: -hmm. maybe just compliance i mean uh, have you seen the uh, the movie breakfast club where they're sitting around and the the principal's in there at uh, you know saturday morning and he's gonna lay down the law right and he says not another word out of you and he goes but another detention what another detention and he just kind of keeps piling them on, keeps piling them on, and it's just kind of like it—it it goes from the absurd to the ridiculous, uh, but it—it it gives a perception of of power and control when, in fact, it's the exact opposite. Like that's why we're laughing, right? Because this is this is ludicrous.
2: Yeah, we,
1: I can remember at one point, uh, detentions being issued for skipping classes or skipping a day this is secondary and you know if you didn't go to your detention they got doubled and the kids were just racking these up it was ridiculous numbers and it became a joke amongst them and so then they would or if you got suspended then that would clear them all out like uh, thank goodness we're probably not doing that anymore but it became such a joke for the kids to say how many you at and they would compare and they'd be at their lockers and so that's not feeling like uh, the adults have much control there. The kids, it became a game for them.
2: No, to, And, to, and yeah. it would, and it would change behavior to a degree. Like you say, it was compliance. Eventually the kids do toe the line and do what they're told to do out of fear of getting more of these ludicrous detentions. But, it's not about compliance we don't just want compliance we're trying to teach kids to be good citizens of the world not just figure out how to get along with this crazy person for the next half an hour and then i'll go do whatever i want later on we're trying to teach them the right way to you know act and react and relate to other people and simply you know threatening them or scaring them into compliance to show that i'm in charge um isn't really going to pay dividends in the long run it just it it develops that animosity towards the the person in authority. And that's I mean also I guess what we're saying is we we want kids to be, make the right choices for the, all the right reasons, not simply because they're scared and they just want to be compliant. And so but the timing piece to come back to that, that whole that whole idea of, of making quick instant decisions was seen as a way of being in control. I would suggest in restorative practices, if you use it a lot and you use it consistently, you know, year after year, People will see you in control because you've got a a way that you deal with things. And sometimes you do, you take your time and you do it right. And ultimately, hopefully we come out the other end with not only, not just compliance, but a change change in type of behavior that are causing those things in the first place. So it does take it. We have to take our time and it does take time, but ultimately uh, it's. I think it's a better way and, and people will see that you do have authority over your school or your classroom because you are using a, a method that works that also restores, you know, the, 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 I guess the relationships within the classroom.
1: So. And is it taking that much time because if you were to haul that student in there immediately, you're still having a conversation, you're issuing some kind of sanction, follow up, etc, cetera, etc. Well, this has given everybody a little bit of space, if it makes sense. Um, to have that space, and then you're still having a conversation, but the conversation is going to feel and sound very differently. And there's still going to be a consequence, if you will. We always think of consequence as a negative. Consequence just means, as a result of your behavior, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, the idea that it takes more time, and you know, we're just at a calmer place, and it's probably more productive with your time.
2: It, it can take more time if you if you truly want to find out what happened it may mean talking to a few more people. Right. And so I can, I can quickly, from my standpoint as a principal, make a decision. I think that kid did it. That kid has a detention, or I can say, I'm not quite sure what happened. I better talk to a few more people. And that part does take time, Sure. but ultimately you're, you're going to make the correct decision. And my feeling is if you do enough of that, over time you don't have to invest you don't have as many bad things happening that involve all that amount of uh investigation so you it may take a lot of time to make each decision but ultimately you're going to have less and less conflict and if you have less and less conflict you have to have you have less and less investigations and things to deal with and kids become and kids will realize that you're you're supporting them and you, you mean, let's talk to one or two kids and you're going to get the truth right away, as opposed to, I got to talk to 17 kids. Cause I think 15 of them are lying. So, you know, eventually you're going to get the straight goods because they don't, the kids will work with you because they know that you're going to be fair and supportive of them.
0: So, and I think personally, uh, I don't make great decisions in a crisis. No, I don't. And, um, I kind of sw- switch to sort of a fight or flight kind of uh, approach to things And I've said things in those moments that I regret. And so I personally need some time to reflect. I personally need the questions to actually give me the time to sort of calm myself down to, so to ask the question and then to listen to the answer actually gives me as the adult in the situation time to just kind of get control of my breathing, for example, and get a little bit more control about what's going on. And I cannot tell you how many times in terms of, What I saw initially, my initial perception and what actually happened was quite different because I only had part of the picture, which was my perspective. I didn't see all the stuff that happened before and, you know, days before. And I mean, even when you talk about bullying, for example, we as adults, we get so frustrated with dealing with bullying because we don't see it. But the kids see it and they see it like directly affecting them. And so my perception, uh, you know, as an adult is different from what kids see.
1: I think your point, Stan, around, um, you know, not making good decisions when you're, you are Adrenaline's going or you're in crisis mode. I think that's a really important point that we need to understand. That's not just Stan. That's any of us. That's a biological response. Thank you. No, there you go. It's a response that we can't control without some thought to control. Like it happens within our body. And the more training you've had or the more experiences you have will help with that. But we're all faced at some point with some kind of crisis situation that we need to either take some breaths, take some time. And then we can make better responses and better decisions.
0: And as an adult in these situations where I'm called to make a decision or or you know decide on what a consequence needs to be or be involved in a conversation about a consequence, I function much better if there's a bit of reflective time. And so to take a pause or to say, look, let's talk about this in 10 minutes, as opposed to right then and there, that can sometimes, not always, but that can sometimes be for me and for others. apparently are like me in terms of not always working the best under crisis situations. um, That can be the the best strategy. Listen, I need you to stand over here for just a moment while I talk to this person over there. And I'm going to ask you these questions in just a moment, but I need a little bit of space between you and and him or her. And um, I'll I'll get right back to you. Don't go anywhere. These are the questions that I'm going to ask you. And uh, then to go into the into the questions, because as you well know, the kids will tell you, the kids will tell you what's going on and they will get, you will get their perspective and uh, their voice in the situation. If you ask these restorative questions and also listen to what the answers are.
1: I think it's an important distinction. And I think hopefully we're making that clear. We're not saying that you don't in a crisis situation, you may have to act because we know that needs to happen we're responsible for young people. But I th- what we're saying is you don't need to make the big decisions in that moment too. You need to keep people safe, but you can take the time to, to make the decisions about the next steps.
2: Well, and also determining what is a crisis. I mean, what's a crisis for some people it may not be a crisis for you. Um, you know, a kid, a kid getting into an argument with another kid on the schoolyard over a soccer ball or whatever, and then running away in the kid's mind, that's a crisis. We need something to happen right away. Um, we realize that that's something that we can probably take our timing with. Um, and so sometimes other people feel something is a crisis where we can take our, we realize it's not so much and, and it's not a timing piece. I know if if someone's life is in danger, if someone's going to get hurt, absolutely, we have to jump in and make quick decisions. Um, some t- a lot of what we deal with in schools aren't of that nature, of that crisis level nature. The other thing I was going to say about timing is that sometimes You know, conflict happens and it's not a convenient time for us. I'm sorry, this isn't convenient. Can you come back tomorrow? You know, it happens, you know, at the bus line as they're getting ready to leave at the end of the day. And you haven't got time to stop the entire bus and start interviewing kids because the driver is looking at their watch saying, I got to drop these kids off. What's going on? And so sometimes you do need to take the time. It may be the night, the next day, where you can delve into something and ask those questions. And sometimes that's actually a good thing. It gives people a chance to mellow out and think about it, knowing that you're going to deal with it the next day. So, you know, you may be in meetings. It may be, you may be busy dealing with something else already, and something else comes in your door. So once people realize that you will deal in a situation fairly in time. They don't get as worried about whether you deal with something right away because they know you will eventually deal with it and you probably eventually deal with it in a fair way for everybody. So if it takes a day or two to deal with something, they know you will eventually deal with it. And that's the key is, you know, when kids say he's getting away with it, what they really mean is, you know, he's getting away with it now. Well, he's not going to get away with it forever. We know where he lives. We know his classes and we will eventually deal with it. Like I say, after a while, they realize that no kid's getting away with anything. You will deal with it in time.
1: So I wonder if the either he's getting away with it or that thinking is more of, did you see that? Are you paying attention to it? Will you manage it? Right. And people need that acknowledgement or that. Yeah, I got it you know then and 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 the trust in you that you are going to manage it then you're you know they're going to be able to accept that but if they think it's a blind eye and nobody's really taken it in then they're going to have a different response as well
0: great story thanks steve we just want to take a look at a scenario right now uh have your say and and this comes to us from uh, some of the responses to some of the training we've done and and when you think back to Uh, the past year, 18 months uh, dealing with COVID, uh, one teacher described themselves as feeling like we're uh, on an airplane with an oxygen mask situation, you know, where you need to take care of yourself first. You know, the instructions, if this mask falls down from the ceiling, please put it on yourself first and then help others. And the, you know, the comment was around, Uh, If we focus on helping staff center themselves and thinking before reacting, that that could be, you know, part of our restorative response to things. So um, we have a lot of anxiety as teachers. We have a lot of things that we're worried about. COVID has been just like no other year that any of us have taught in. So how do we address some of these things from a restorative perspective?
1: I think to start with, not feeling that being asked to work restoratively is yet another initiative that's being laid upon um, anybody who's working in education. Absolutely, you've had enough to manage this year and learn about and contribute to in a in a positive way. That is not uh, what we're asking or what we talk about when we want you to layer in the restorative piece. Many educators. And many people working in those school buildings are already working very restoratively. For me, it's, it's acknowledging that and embracing that you're already doing that kind of work and knowing that you're doing it and look for those moments.
2: Yeah, and in a school, um, as, an, as a principal or an administrator in a school, it's knowing your staff. If you really know your staff before something like this came along, you would get a better sense of how to deal with them and how they're likely to deal with a crisis like this. Now, I'm, I'm working in a school, having come in halfway through the year, halfway through COVID, not knowing any of the staff and trying to figure out how are they all doing. you know are they looking after themselves first or are they looking after the kids are they stressed are they struggling it was really tough for me because i don't know any of them on a personal level i don't have a relationship with them and so it's important from a restorative standpoint for me to develop those relationships as quickly as i can in whatever method i could and so while we were face to face in schools i spent most of my time and hardly ever in the office mostly in classrooms not just to see how the kids were doing and talk to the kids and get to know them, which is part of it, but also to talk to the teachers and get to know a bit about them to get a sense of how they were handling the stress of the situation and reiterate that, you know, I'm there to support you too, if you need it as well. All of a sudden we're back to online learning and then everybody's at home. And so now how do I connect with them when they're at home? So I'll drop into an online class and see the teacher teaching the kids, but there's no time for me to have a, little conversation with the teacher to find out how they're doing. And so it's a matter of, you know, sending some emails or checking in with them at different times, but you know, we can say to people all the time, take care of yourself first. Um, but sometimes we need to actually step in and help them to take care of themselves. And that's the part of restore that supportive piece as well. So one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. And how do we step in? So I've heard of some schools, I, I do some on uh, some online um, listening centers and whatnot. And there's a school in the States where the principal would every week schedule just a drop-in session, an online drop-in session, and staff could show up or not show up. They, you know, they just logged in and and it wasn't about sending invitations. They had a sort of a standing room where they could just drop in and every you know, whatever day of the week it was right after school for about an hour, people would just drop in and they just have a conversation and it wasn't about academics. It wasn't a staff meeting about, don't forget to fill in these forms. It was how are we all doing? And what's been, what have you been struggling with us and how can we help? And I thought, isn't that great? You could probably do it every day, to be honest, but she did it once a week and, you know, it was getting maybe a third to a half of her staff every week, depending on how busy the week, maybe less and some weeks, maybe more, but, and it was, intentional that they didn't talk about the classroom and academics and the and the managerial parts of the job it was all about personal relationships talk about your family talk about how your spouses are doing how are your kids doing with online learning it was all about sort of dealing with those issues and i thought what a great thing to do and so from a restorative standpoint she was having listening circles all effective it was yeah you know? i was just gonna say
0: i love the idea and it
2: sounds exactly
0: like a, a listening circle and and the questions are you know like the ones that you've been asking start with how like how are things going for you um the the you know the more formal flip of that is what's happening for you in terms of you know dealing with covid i think too and this is one of the things that i just love about restorative practice is that it focuses on the impact right? And COVID has had a huge impact on people. And then to simply ask the question, what impact has this had on you? And to have that principal meet with the staff to talk about, so how have you been affected this week? Or how has your family been affected this week? Um, I think one of the most powerful questions to ask anyone who's been harmed, and we all have been harmed in this uh, pandemic, you know, what's been the hardest thing for you this week? Oh, my goodness. And here's the thing that I think we sometimes miss, and it's that the person asking the question doesn't have to have all the answers. They simply have to ask the question. If there's somebody in the group or somebody in the circle that may have something to contribute, fantastic. But it's really a matter of simply asking the question. I had a conversation with somebody one time, and it was I went for about half an hour, 40, 45 minutes. They were dealing with a number of, you know, issues in terms of work and family and stuff like this as a colleague. And at at the end, they said, Oh, like, thank you so much. And I said, I didn't do anything, right? I was just listening. But she said, That's exactly what I needed. I just needed you to listen. So I think she did often
1: she didn't need no no
0: no no. she didn't need to fix and it's it's hard for me because i am a fixer right it's hard for me not to want to fix it so just to listen and not fix it i like i really have to work at that and uh it's it's probably more helpful to just listen and those list those talking circles i think i wish that there were more of those that happened on a regular basis Um, The kind of informal drop in the people who need to come and who who want to come will be more engaged with those conversations. I know early on in our restorative practice training, there was a little video that we showed of teachers doing exactly that after school come together just um, very informally and somebody would have a question and they would raise it and then they would have a conversation non-sequential and it was just a fantastic way of building community. And the neat thing
2: um, that she passed along to me is that because of it's all virtual learning, quite often, most of the teachers were at home because they were teaching from home, but some taught from school. So she said, I could see in the background they were sitting in their classroom or an office. And she said, some of them with technology would have their, they'd be in the car driving and they had their phone, you know, mounted on the dashboard and they're driving along and you, they're having this conversation. So they're, con- they're participating no matter where they are now. And that's the beauty of tech, you know, technology and how it's advanced. We can participate in meetings no matter where we are just by having our cell phones in front of us. And, and, you know, isn't that neat? So, you know, I can see this as something that I, I thought I'd pass it along, not because I did it. I didn't do it. And I wish I had of that. I think that even after the, you know, post-COVID era is, era is over. It's something we could still do, and have have drop-in online circles like this because it doesn't matter where everybody is. They don't all have to come to a staff room. Although it's hard to have snacks unless you all come to a staff room. But uh, but I think it's a it's a valuable tool, and I think I would like to see more people doing it.
1: And look at the effort they went to. If they're driving in the car and they're still making the effort, that's, that was important to them. Mm-hmm. And I would venture to guess that probably those folks that found that helpful were doing some of the same things with their students. Mm-hmm. Taking the period, the hour, the half hour to just say, how are you doing? In whatever way made sense for the age of the child.
0: I may have asked you this question once before, Steve, and you can answer it or not. And that is, how many times in your experience has a superintendent asked you a question like this?
2: Ooh, not a lot. So, so so few that I have to sit and think about it. Now I can think of one superintendent I had who was uh, very attuned and, and would ask this. And, um, you know, he, he was he was a great superintendent because he, he would just drop into the school at, unannounced. But he'd say, look, let's take some time to, and go to the office and talk. And I, and I recall, he would talk about all sorts of stuff, not anything to do with your school plan or issues with the school or, or whatever. He would just try, he was trying to get to know people, but even after he knew you, this was his, his approach. And so he was, unfortunately, he was only around, I only worked with him for about a year and a bit. Um, and then, of course, as superintendents go, they get moved around and I, I retired and so on and so forth. But you're right, most superintendents, it's not something that's um, that they do much of. And, uh, and then this year, in the year of crisis, it's happened even less. Now I've been working for six months, but I think, I don't think in those six months, any superintendent has even asked me how I'm doing um, because they're still in that crisis management mode themselves, so maybe we have to ask them. And that's sad because really it's like, if you take the airplane analogy of
0: the mask uh, coming down, if, this, if the, uh, the flight attendant came by while you're putting on the mask, and said uh could you please make sure that you filled in this uh you know form um you know the one that declares you know you're coming in from out of the country and you've got to uh, pay a duty could you fill in this form and you're struggling with your mask uh, like it just doesn't make sense because like i need the oxygen here first folks in order to just be able to live and breathe on this plane that's in crisis the form needs to just be sort of in the, in the background. And if we could as leaders, whether it's as principals or superintendents or teachers or people in charge of lunchroom or bus drivers, whoever it happens to be uh, office administrators, if we could pay more attention to, Hey, how's it going with you? Like what's the impact of this uh, building that connection, that relationship, how much more would we help each other just by knowing Look, I'm part of a team that's doing this. I don't have to do this completely on my own. It kind of feels that way because COVID is very, very isolating. But I'm part of a team that's addressing this. And so there's some strength and endurance that comes from having somebody even just ask me that question. Oh, my goodness. That would be amazing. I love that movie Breakfast Club and remember that scene with not another word, but another week. Put your own mask on before you help someone else. And that really applies to giving teachers support during the pandemic before they can help students. Thanks for listening. Check out our training and resources on our website circleforum.ca. Share this podcast with people at your school and let's keep the conversations going.